On today's show, Jalen Green being used as a primary facilitator within the Houston Rockets offense and looking really, really good while doing it, which is an incredibly encouraging sign for his development as a player. KJ Martin with more of a voice in the Houston Rockets locker room and Eric Gordon does not look happy after this loss against the Clippers. Maybe, just maybe, he's frustrated enough to start asking for a trade away from Houston. We're going to break it down for you right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. You get somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays, host of the State of the Rockets podcast, as well as Rockets Watch. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, where you can help the show out tremendously by commenting anything below. Now, Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionals, licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA. Now for today's episode, uh, maybe we can get the Rockets some professional help because things did not look good in this most recent game. There were the the most encouraging thing from this recent game was Jalen Green, his playmaking, his growth as a playmaker being used as a focal point for the Rockets offense. And it looked really, really good again through about three quarters. And then they just stopped going to it in the fourth quarter. So that's frustrating. We'll talk about his strong night, both as a playmaker and as a scorer. Talk about KJ Martin and his growing voice in the Houston Rockets locker room. Uh, some of the other negative you know, storylines from this game, the Rockets ball movement just completely disappearing. Uh, it was really good there for a few games, and it feels like they've just completely taken a step back from what they were growing towards and, and, and building towards. And one guy who's incredibly frustrated with all of this, gestures vaguely at everything, Eric Gordon, who was dejected after this game uh, very frustrated took to Twitter uh, to you know express his frustrations via one frowny face emoji on Twitter so maybe things are getting to a boiling point with Eric Gordon where he is no longer wants to be a Houston Rocket so we'll talk about that in the third segment we'll share his interview clips because uh, it was incredibly short just a brief 90 seconds but let's start with Jalen Green because Jalen Green continues to be a bright spot for this Houston Rockets team. He had that one little rough stretch to start the season. And, and, you know, before that rough stretch and then since that rough stretch, about three or four games there, he's looked fantastic. And that's been kind of the one consistent bright spot for the Rockets is that when Jalen Green looks good, there's there's hope in the world, right? There's like, okay, at least Jalen looks good. And, you know, you can you can build off of that. He is your locked on Rockets player of the game from this one. 25 points on 10 of 19 shooting, 3 of 8 from downtown, only got to the free throw line twice, uh, hit both of them, 6 rebounds, a career, a, 
a tying his career high in assists with seven assists in this game. Had a steal, just three turnovers. Very, very solid all-around night for Jalen Green. And I was really, really impressed. We'll, we'll talk about his scoring burst because he absolutely exploded there again in the third quarter. But his playmaking is what really stood out in this game. And that's going to be the area for Jalen that if he can actually tap into being a consistent playmaking force offensively, making the right reads, setting up his teammates, generating quality looks, then he's going to go he's going to be he's going to go down as the best player from the 2021 NBA draft. I don't care. He's already the best scorer from that draft. Period. I don't I don't care about Cade, Franz, Mobley, no. Suggs, no. He is the best scorer from that draft already. If you add elite or even above average playmaking to that skill set to where he could, you know, go out there and be kind of an engine of an offense and running things and running the show the way that we've seen him do these past couple games against the Pelicans when KPJ is off the floor and then uh, in this game against the Clippers when KPJ is off the floor, when he is the focal point and when the offense is running largely through him, things are looking pretty solid. So... Against the Clippers, I want, uh, you know, his passing stats, and this is, the the passing stats are great for Jalen Green and not so great for Kevin Porter Jr. We'll talk about that in segment two, as well as the lack of ball movement, that kind of thing. But for Jalen Green in this game, again, a career-high tying seven assists. He had 15 potential assists in this game. The next highest person on that list for the Houston Rockets against the LA Clippers, Dacian Nix off the bench with five potential assists. And then Kevin Porter Jr. had four potential assists, tying uh, Usman Garuba, who also had four potential assists. But Jalen wound up creating 16 points off assists in this game. So that's you know some combination of twos and threes, whatever. Thankfully, NBA.com does the math for me, so I don't have to actually crunch those numbers. But at one point in the first in the first quarter of this game, Jalen was responsible for scoring or assisting on 15 of the Rockets' first 23 points in this game, or 15 of the first 23 points in the first quarter of this game. Jalen had four assists, zero turnovers in the first quarter. His growth as a playmaker will not only make him a more dangerous player and and help kind of start elevating him towards that that superstardom that we think he's capable of, but it will also, it kind of feeds back into, it unlocks more things for him as a scorer, right? If you're a one-dimensional player, if all you can do is score the rock, then defenses are going to game plan for that. They're like, oh, he just scored. He doesn't play make, he doesn't pass, he doesn't do any of this other stuff, right? We just have to stop him. If you can score the ball at an elite rate like Jalen can, and if you can create for others, then that feeds back into your ability to score the ball and it continues to open things up, right? You're able to tap into both sides of your game, the scoring and the playmaking, the creating for others, and you become incredibly dangerous on the floor because the, then defenses have no idea what you're going to do, right? So for Jalen Green to see him have that level of success as the primary on the floor, especially when just like two, three weeks ago, Steven Silas basically said, Jalen Green can't be the primary ball handler on the floor. Um, one, vindication. Jalen can be a primary ball handler. Like, you know, he he maybe isn't as comfortable as a more, you know, 
traditional point guard or somebody who's been a point guard their whole career like Dacian Nix. But guess what? The only way to get comfortable doing it is to do it. It's not that it's not like Jalen Green can't dribble the basketball. It's not like he can't walk the ball up and call sets and do X, Y, Z. He can. They just need to get him the reps doing it. And that's why him spending time away from Kevin Porter Jr., is one of the most important things, I think, for his development this season is to get him those live on-ball reps. And again, also, it just feels like there is a bit of a mentality shift uh, when he's on the floor and he's the one focal point when there's no Eric Gordon, when there's no Kevin Porter Jr., he becomes the guy. The buck starts and stops with him, and it looks a lot, he looks like a completely different player. He looks more aggressive. He looks more assertive. He looks more sure of what he's doing. There's not that, okay, I'm going to try a couple moves and there's nothing there. So I'm going to pitch it back to, you know, Kevin at the top of the key. And then he's going to boom, boom, hezzy tween ISO and whatever. Like there's none of that. It's just, all right, I've got to make something happen or it's not happening because I'm the only guy on the floor who can make it happen. And whether or not that's a good system to try and teach him by is, is, up for debate. We could talk about that another, another day, but I like the I, I like ultimately what it forces Jalen Green to do when he's on the floor, and forcing him into that role is going to do wonders for him further down the line. And he also is still just a scoring machine in this game. Fifteen points in the third quarter. He had ten points at halftime on four of ten shooting. He wound up having fifteen points in the third quarter on six of seven shooting. Was just on fire in the third, hit all three of his three-pointers, was scoring an elite rate, all of that. And then I feel bad because I predicted it. I knew it was going to happen. I called it on Twitter. I said over-under on Jalen Green's fourth-quarter shot attempts. And I put the over-under at 3.5. 3.5 shot attempts. After you have 20, what? Yeah, it was was 10 of 17 going in. So 23 points going into the fourth quarter. He wound up getting... Two shot attempts in the fourth quarter. He got fouled on one of them, so he may, you know, maybe you count that as, you know, driving and and getting the shot up. He got fouled, got to the free throw line, hit two of them. So even if we're being generous and we count that as a third shot attempt, Jalen Green only got three shot attempts again in the fourth quarter. That is unacceptable and cannot keep happening. And some of it falls on Jalen and his lack of aggressiveness in the fourth. A lot of it falls on Steven Silas and Kevin Porter Jr. We're going to talk about the Rockets' lack of ball movement, the frustrating developments from this game, kind of, you know, one step forward, two steps back, if you will. We'll also talk about K.J. Martin, his growing voice as a leader in this Rockets locker room to go with his on-the-court production. We're going to talk about that, but first, today's episode is brought to you by Sweatblock. Look, we've all been there, right? You're, you're getting, you know, dressed up for a night out with maybe you're going to go out, hang out with some friends, you know, go hit the bars, or maybe you're going out for a nice night, you know, a date or something like that. You get all dressed up, you're looking good, you're feeling confident, and you step outside and within, especially here in Houston, right, Bayou City, you step outside and within five, maybe 10 minutes of being outside, you're drenched, you're sweating, you're, you're feeling gross, you know, and it's it's uncomfortable, right? You lose your confidence, you lose your swagger, whatever, you're worried about what other people are thinking about you. 
it, it's uncomfortable and you don't have to live that way anymore. Sweat block can help you if you're dealing with, you know, excessive sweating or whatever, even if it's just because of the elements or what, what have you. Sweat block can help you out. Sweat block wipes have been a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years with over 10,000 five star reviews. Don't miss this opportunity to try sweat block. If you or someone you know is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try sweat block. Save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. Today's episode is also brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they spend around 80 bucks a month or so on subscriptions when the actual total is closer to $200. That's right. You could be wasting hundreds of dollars each and every month on subscriptions that you don't even know about. Rocket Money helps you get rid of the unwanted subscriptions that you no longer need. Cancel unnecessary subscriptions with Rocket Money today. Go to rocketmoney.com slash locked on. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything. Houston Rockets basketball. As always, appreciate you for making LOR your first listen. For your second listen, go check out Locked on Sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with the local experts and insights that only Locked on can provide. Locked on Sports today available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, look at some of the other developments from this Rockets-Clippers game. You know, this... This game just felt like the Rockets played another pretty ugly game. Uh, the ball movement, not good enough. The share, you know, sharing it with your teammates, whatever, all that. Uh, apart from Jalen and Shingun playing well off of each other, and unfortunately, Shingun offensively in this game, even though he had a decent night, 16 and 4, uh, 6 of 11 shooting defensively he was getting just targeted every single play down by the Clippers. The Clippers were not afraid of him whatsoever defensively and Shingun as well as the other guys on the court. I mean, the Rockets could not buy a stop against the Clippers and it felt like every single time the Rockets made a bit of a push, got a bit of a run going, started to maybe try and claw their way back into the game. The Clippers had an answer and it's because the Rockets at no point in this game, even when they had the goon squad in, even when the goon squad lineup was out there with KJ, Tari, Uzi, they they could not get stops. And it was really funny because at one point, like the Clippers started full court pressing and the Rockets got really lost. They were like, oh my God, how do we, how do we beat a full court press? And they almost turned the ball over. And we don't ever see the Rockets do any of that stuff, right? Like we don't ever see the Rockets throw out like a full court press or... Like maybe very infrequently we'll see we'll see the Rockets throw out like a zone look to blow up like an ATO from an opposing coach or something. But those are so few and far between. Like we don't see the Rockets really shift their their defensive identity to try different things, to, you know, to trap or to blitz. Or they just they kind of just play their base level defense and then that's it. And they don't really force the hand of the opposing team by making them uncomfortable. Like they they, you know especially when they're in the game and when the energy's good and, and when there's still a chance for the win, like they, they play hard, but they're not playing like difficult defense. They're not, again, they're not blitzing ball handlers. They're not, you know, double teaming. They're not forcing turnovers. They're not doing a lot. They kind of just rely on teams to beat themselves defensively. Like it's either, all right, they're either going to make shots or miss shots and that's it. And that's really no way to aspire to be a good NBA defense. But the defensive issues aside, which, 
Again, the Rockets just couldn't get stops in this game. This is the first time all season that the Clippers, who worst offense in the NBA, have scored above 120 points. Not a great look if you're the Houston Rockets. Um, offensively, talked about Jalen Green's scoring, his playmaking, which is you know a great, great development and continues to be uh, one of these silver linings to this Rockets season. Elsewhere, the Rockets' playmaking, facilitating, all of that was not up to snuff. Um, and when I say elsewhere, I mean Kevin Porter Jr. There's, look, if you are the primary guard, if you're the lead facilitator, whatever, if you are being trusted to have the highest usage rate on the team and have the ball in your hands from the, the you know, majority of the time that you're on the floor, you have to be better. KPJ had 20 points on six of 18 shooting. So a really inefficient night from KPJ from the floor. 33% shooting from the floor is not going to cut it. Missed all four of his threes was 8 of 15 at the free throw line. So, like, yay, you got to the free throw line. You didn't hit the free throws. So, 8 of 15 shooting is not good enough. Missing 7 free throws, hanging a lot of points on the free throw line. He had 7 rebounds, uh, but there were also a couple possessions where KPJ was, like, in trying to, like, crash the offensive glass and get a rebound, and the Clippers got out and got easy buckets in transition because nobody was back to guard you know, to guard the transition play. And if your guards are crashing and if your forwards are crashing and if your centers are crashing, then who exactly is left to play transition defense? He had three assists and three steals and two turnovers. So not a turnover ridden game from KPJ, but uh, way too much KPJ ISO fest, right? And that's what a switching defense does. The Clippers were switching pretty much every action the Rockets ran and what that does is, unfortunately, it turns into an ISO fest. But here's the frustrating part is there were times when it turned into an ISO fest where it's like, all right, once you beat that initial defender. So if you're switch, if you have a switch, switching defense, right? First off, how do you beat a switch? You beat it with a slip, right? You set the screen. So you call for a screener, you know, whether it's LP, whether it's KJ, whether it's Jabari, doesn't matter. You set the screen. And then as the player is setting the screen, you slip. That's it. And you throw the pass over the top. And that forces the defense to be like, oh, well, we can't, you know, it, 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 it suddenly, that's how you get your mismatch, right? That's how you create offense rather than letting a defense flatten you out like the Rockets used to do for years with their switching defense. Rather than flattening it out and just settle, all right, I guess we're just going to ISO all game. You slip a screen. And you can slip with Al P. You can slip with Garuba. You can slip with KJ. You can slip with Jabari. I don't care who you pick. Any one of those guys can go set, you know, start to set a screen and then slip behind into the middle of the floor. And then all KPJ or Jalen or EG has to do is float the ball over the top. And then suddenly you have one of those guys in the middle of the floor. The defense is scattered. They're recovering because they were getting ready to switch onto the ball handler. And then from there, there has to be somebody to rotate over. Otherwise, it's an easy path to the basket or it's an easy kick out to a corner three point shooter. Like It's it's easy. Why, why are they not doing it? So. The offense was frustrating in this game, and it just it, it boiled down to a lot of the ISO fest from Kevin Porter Jr., especially offensively, which it can't happen. It needs to be better than that. There is zero, absolutely zero reason that Dacian Nix, as the backup point guard of this team, with only 15 minutes off the bench, should have and finish with more potential assists than the starting point guard for the team. So... 
I, you know, any way you slice it, this was a bad game from KPJ, unfortunately. And this is kind of what it feels like. It feels like with Kevin Porter Jr. especially, feels like there's, you know, couple good games, some really, you know, some strong nights. Either it's a big scoring night with minimal playmaking or a big playmaking night, whatever. And then a couple steps back and you're like, all right, well, and this was, this was my number one thing is this season we needed to see consistency from Kevin Porter Jr. He needed to be a consistent force on the court, especially if you're going to be the team's point guard. You have to be consistent night in and night out. You don't have to be a superstar night in and night out. You just have to be consistent night in and night out. And so far this season, he hasn't been able to meet that criteria. He's had some really, really big games, some really, really impressive nights, sure, but he's also had some really, really bad games and some really, really poor nights. And it's it's that spiking up and down that you can't have. You need to be that consistent force when you're at the point guard spot because you're the one orchestrating the team. You're the one steering everybody else. So want to see him bounce back. I want to see the best for KPJ, but I also, again, I think he's playing out of position. And it's a disservice to him and it's a disservice to the other four guys on the court that he's playing with to expect him to be the point guard when I don't think it's necessarily in his wheelhouse at this point. Elsewhere from this Houston Rockets game, Alp struggled with fouls. Again, it, it's kind of, it, it becomes, you know, it's become a recurring theme over the last few games. You know, fouled out of the last game, uh, struggled with fouls in this one at five at one point, you know, had to sit for stretches, uh, you know, due to, extra, you know, excess fouls. Rockets picked up a ton of fouls top of the fourth quarter. At one point, they had more fouls than they did buckets. They had like eight fouls at one point and only three made buckets with like five minutes into the fourth quarter. And at that point, that was kind of like, all right, yeah, this thing's, this thing's cooked. Uh, KJ Martin is growing into his voice in the Rockets locker room. Uh, as we were waiting for KJ and Jalen to come, you know, do their post-game interviews, KJ and Shingun were just sitting at their lockers and KJ looks over at Shingu and he goes, you got to stop effing fouling. But he did it in a, he was, he was really positive about it, right? Like encouraging, like, hey, like, like this needs to stop so that we can, you know, we can work past this. So I got the chance to uh, ask KJ about it. A moment ago, you told Alpi, stop fouling. Yeah. What, what are those conversations like when you see him picking up some maybe, you know, some maybe yeah. touch fouls? Here yeah, no, I just, I just tell him like, there's no, you know what I'm saying? Just stay vertical, and if he makes it, he makes it. Like, every time, you know what I'm saying, just keep your hands up. Don't bring your hands down. Sometimes the ref might call a foul, but, you know what I'm saying, eight out of ten times, you just stay vertical and just jump straight up and won't call anything. So I think it's just a conversation between us, just real-life conversations, just, you know what I'm saying, keeping it real with each other. That's going to help us in the future. Love that from K.J. Martin, just talking about just keeping it real, you know, trying to be that, that voice for Al P and, and the, these two guys are incredibly close, right? Like, I mean, you know, they, uh, right. Al P KJ, they've been close since last season. They, they play well off of one another. And, you know, I, I hope that that's a voice that Al P can hear in the Rockets locker room and, and, and understand that it's coming from a good place. Cause again, it wasn't like a stop messing up. Like you're, you're ruining it. It was just, Hey, like, bro, come on, like be like, be better. You're better than this. I know you can be better than this. And so seeing KJ, you know, kind of grow into a bit more of a mature role and kind of, you know, obviously he's he's not that much older than Al P, but, you know, barely at all. But, you know, taking him under his wing and just kind of being that, that locker room voice is a cool development for KJ, right? That coupled with, his on the court production, uh, you know, it's it's just really encouraging signs from KJ Martin, a guy that you know at this point, I I don't want the Rockets to lose KJ at all ever. Like keep KJ around for as long as possible because his contributions both off the court and if he's growing into more of a leadership position in the locker room, uh, that's gonna do that's 
going to do wonders for this team. Just continuing to have guys as they're maturing, as they're coming into their own as NBA players and understanding that they have a voice and that that voice carries in the locker room is really, really important. So love that from KJ Martin. And I love that he kind of, when I asked him, he chuckled a little bit because he he knew what he said to Al P. And obviously, I wasn't going to repeat it, but um, it was it was all in good fun. So with that coming up, do want to talk about uh, Eric Gordon and his frustrations after this Rockets loss. Uh, things did not look good from EG postgame. We're going to run back his postgame interview. Also highlight a couple of the other moments from this game, things that I haven't gotten quite to just yet that were you know floating around in my notes. We're going to get there, but first, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Next game, how about the over on Jalen Green to score 23.5 points? What about Alperin Shingun? We'll say the we'll say under on 9.5 rebounds. KPJ, I'm going to take the under on assists at 4.5. And then how about Jabari Smith Jr., who hit a couple threes in this one? We'll say over on 2.5 three-pointers made. So what is prize picks? How does prize picks work? You pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projections, you can win up to 10 times back on your money on any entry that you make. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that simple. They offer safe and incredibly fast withdrawals. Currently operated in over 30 states and Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKED ON. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code LOCKED ON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, this was a rough all-around game for the Rockets. Felt like, again, multiple steps back from what they had been building and, and trying to grow towards these last few games with the ball movement, all of that. And probably nobody was as frustrated after the fact as Eric Gordon, who did not look happy when doing his post-game interview. Was, you guys have held it together no matter what's happened most of the year. Was this a game where there was some frustration and kind of let go a little bit? I mean, very. I mean, didn't play our game, you know. Didn't have no energy, didn't play with uh, togetherness. And, and uh, you know, we got the result that, we, that, uh, that, that happened. There's been so much progress on that, in the ball movement, togetherness. What makes it step back like this tonight? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you have a winning mentality. Moving the ball should be something you should do. You know, believing in, in your teammates and what you, and believing in what you uh, should do. I mean, that's that's the way it goes when you're trying to win. And, uh, and you know, we didn't do that. Does it feel like tonight when you have a game like this with some of the mistakes that were made that it's just kind of like one step forward, two steps back at times? Yeah, you know, uh, it, it's just been tough, man. I mean, it's been the same old thing, year in, year out, game to game, you know. Uh, you know, it's just been tough, man. So it's always, you know, this is a long season, and it's, you know, we have games like this early on, it's just tough. Whew. Um, EG was maybe the most dejected that I've ever seen him during a post-game interview, uh, that the vibes are in shambles. And 
you know, for, for him to specifically say year in and year out, like, you know, basically just kind of, I guess just, you know, referencing his, the entire, the entirety of this kind of transitional period, right. Under Steven Silas, um, you know, it, it, it's not looking great. And EG is supposed to be your veteran voice in the locker room. He's supposed to be the, the one that the young guys look to for guidance, for leadership, all of that. And if EG is, is this visibly frustrated, shook, whatever you want to say after, repeatedly this team falling back into old habits and making the same mistakes and not, you know, not adjusting, not growing, um, both offensively and defensively, uh, you know, it, it's not looking good. And I think especially at this point, right, there was an understanding of the level, you know, if EG is at the level that he can be at with his on-the-court production, then yeah, like you can understand the argument for wanting to keep him around, wanting him to play next to Jalen, next to KPJ, having a guy who can, in theory, play that three and D wing role. You know, not necessarily dominate the basketball, just space the floor from twenty-seven feet out, whatever. Well behind the three-point line, could be that bailout guy in the offense at times, whatever. But it feels like he's not even doing that. Uh, I mean, in this game against the Clippers, he only took four shots. You know, four shots had a turnover, one rebound, you know, just it, it feels like EG has mentally checked out of this Rockets team. And it feels like he is, you know, frustrated, unhappy, went on Twitter, tweeted out the little angry face emoji, whatever. Um, at this point, I, and here's the concern, right, is it feels like, I feel like the Rockets may have missed their window for dealing EG and getting a, a getting a quality return for him. I understood the logic of again, we they value his on the court production, they value his off the court, you know, leadership, veteran presence, all of that. But and you know, and, and if there were, if the offers out there weren't, you know, even halfway decent, then why trade him just for the sake of trading him? I understood that reasoning. But now you're looking at a place where KJ Martin's production is very real. When KJ gets minutes, he looks good. And the Rockets look solid with him at the three spot. He can play the three consistently. He gives you more size. He gives you more athleticism. He gives you better energy for sure because EG has just been kind of going through the motions on the floor. So all of that, right? And he gives you another guy who stays in his role, right? Plays his role, does it well. You could trade EG tomorrow and start KJ Martin and you'd be fine. And then not only that, you're also giving KJ, hey, here's here's a nice big starter spot for you, right? After all the uncertainty of the offseason, we know you're even bought, we're, we know you're bought into your role currently with this team, but here's an even bigger promotion. You're the starting small forward now, right? Reward him for his production, for his role in the locker room, all of that. It feels like it's time to move on from Eric Gordon. He is maybe even arguably a top 10 rocket of all time, depending on who you ask. Um, he's had some incredible moments as a Houston rocket, but at this point, both for the benefit of the players on the court, right? And for Eric Gordon, right? This is a two part thing, right? You know, get EG to a contender, get him to a team that is actually playing meaningful basketball and has a shot at the playoffs or as at a title and let him go back to playing, you know, legitimate high quality basketball because right now this is not it for the Houston Rockets. They are going through the growing pains. He's been going through the growing pains for two years with this team. 
and it looks like it might be hitting a boiling point for him. And then on top of that, it's unfair to the other young guys on this Rockets team, right? If you've got a disgruntled veteran in your lineup who isn't willing to move without the basketball, is going through the motions on offense and defense, is frustrated, you know, is is mentally checked out, that's not good for the other guys on the roster, right? It'd be one thing if EG was just like, hey, this happens, they're young, like, you know, and... I feel like that's that's what EG was for a couple years, right? Like every time we heard from EG through the first couple years of this rebuild, transitional period, whatever, EG's largely been positive. Hey, we're a young team. They're going to make mistakes. We need to learn from them, right? Sometimes he was pretty candid and frank. And he's been, you know, incredibly supportive, right? He thinks KBJ can be a phenomenal playmaker, right? He's impressed with Alpi's play. Like it's not like he, you know, hates these guys or he's like, oh, you know, super, but I think he's just, he's tired of this situation is what it feels like. And he's been through it for two years. This is the third year now. Uh, The Rockets are on pace to be the worst team in the NBA again for a third year in a row. That, that, that wears on you, right? As a vet, as somebody who's been there, who's experienced the, the, you know, the, the, the highest of highs as an NBA player and who remembers what it's like to be on a, on a team competing for titles and winning at a high level and playing with elite players, all of that. So is there, is there a proper deal out there for Eric Gordon? Is there a, is there a trade partner, somebody who could benefit from Eric Gordon? Absolutely. Any any playoff caliber team, any championship contender would love to have Eric Gordon on their roster right now because a motivated Eric Gordon and an Eric Gordon who's locked in and playing at his best is still an absolute force on an NBA basketball floor. He's not washed. He's not, you know, aging out. It's none of that. He's just not playing his best basketball because why would he, right? He doesn't have a guaranteed contract for next season. He's effectively on a on, you know on a, on on his contract year uh with non-guaranteed money for the final year of his contract. The Rockets could just get rid of him this offseason and he's going to have to go sign a new contract with a new team. So why would he be playing all out and risk like hurting himself and ruining the chances at getting uh, you know a new contract this offseason? I think the Rockets need to do right by Eric Gordon and move him. That's basically where I'm at with it. Um, and not only that, you open up minutes for KJ Martin at the three, you open up minutes, more minutes for Tari Eason, you open up minutes for Jay Sean Tate whenever he's back in the lineup, which, hey, concerning trend here, uh, Jay Sean Tate's going to be reevaluated in two to three weeks by the Rockets. So he's missing some significant time. Apparently he's running around in a walking boot. So not a great look. I, I really hope JT's okay. And there's there's definitely some question marks about his fit, his role on the team. You know, what do you do when you've got KJ and Tari playing as well as they are? How do you, you know, roll T- Jay Sean Tate back into the mix? All of that. It becomes a lot easier if Eric Gordon is no longer a part of the organization. So in our last episode, Ben Dubose brought up the fact that December 15th is that like unofficial start of trade season because that's when you know players can start being moved and you know uh, other other salaries from the offseason start becoming available to be aggregated and moved around, all that good stuff. So I'd keep your eye on that December 15th marker. We are a month away from it exactly uh, as for the release of this episode. It's time to move on, move on from Eric Gordon. And it's going to be, you know, probably not super pretty while he's still in the starting lineup and, you know, kind of, again, going through the motions here in these, you know, in this next month or so. But the Rockets would be better off at this point with a different look, a younger look, more energy, whatever, enthusiasm in the role, all of that in the starting lineup. 
than this idea of EG is the needed vet and he has to be out there to shepherd the young guys. No, like there's there's little to no shepherding happening happening currently. So and then not only that, the the final kicker here is it's going to be really nice to see uh, Steven Silas have to rely on Jalen Green in the crunch time instead of kind of falling back on the security blanket of Eric Gordon if he's no longer a Houston Rocket. So there's that to consider as well. Not a lot of great from this Rockets game. This kind of feels like not a, not a turning point, but like in a bad way for the Rockets, where it's just like, okay, like, what are we doing here? You know, it's same mistakes being made, and there is some progress. There is some individual development happening, and the team is definitely still, I want to acknowledge, right, the team is still definitely in a better spot than they were last season. But you're also seeing some really concerning trends, like, you know, brushing off the fact that Jabari Smith Jr.'s inability to get involved offensively is because the Clippers were switching. All right, great. I told you how to, you know, beat the switch with a slip. You know, like saying that you can't get your number three overall pick shots because of a switching defense is perplexing, to say the least, right? There's there's no reason why Jabari should be, you know, relegated to, okay, he's going to get the shots he gets just because of a switching defense. Like, that's not it. Now, if, if if the answer was, Jabari's been playing poorly, so we're not drawing stuff up for him, I would respect the hell out of that answer. That's like, a, that's like a respectful, okay, I might not agree with it, but I respect the answer, right? Like, it's direct, it's, this. there's a legitimate reason for it. Jabari has been bad, he's not getting shots, he can get whatever comes his way in the offense. That's a legitimate answer. But saying we can't get him shots because of the switching defense does not compute to me. So, there's a lot going on with this Rockets team. It feels weird to say, but like, I think Steven Siles might have to be on the hot seat potentially. Like, you know, if if things don't start moving in a more positive fashion here, you know, in the next month or so, I would not be surprised to start hearing, you know, that that you know the Rockets are looking at, you know moving on from Steven, honestly, at this point, just because they've had a really rough schedule. I get it. And now they have a chance, right? They've got this big homestand and they've got another big homestand in December. So they've got like, you know, time at home to practice and to iron things out and to work on stuff. But some of the decision-making, some of the lineups that are being run out, just a lot of what's happening, even though this Rockets team just talent-wise is better than they were last year, the developments and, and where this team should kind of be at at this point in the season, especially when you look elsewhere at other young teams who are growing and looking better, and namely like the OK, the OKC Thunder. SGA looks fantastic, but the Thunder as a team look like a team. They look like they've got structure. They look like they've got an identity. And I think that's the thing is this Rockets team is still lacking an identity, right? They talked all, all offseason, all through training camp, whatever, at media day about being a team that's going to run and get on transition and their pace and play, you know, space and pace game, all of that. And they don't do that. They don't run. They don't get out in transition. So, and part of that's getting stops, but then start doing things to get stops, right? Get creative on defense, be better defensively, you know, place more of an emphasis on that side of the ball and then figure out the, the offensive side afterwards. I don't know. I don't want to start ranting here at the end of the podcast. Um, there's a lot of question marks facing this Rockets team in the coming days and weeks and months. Um, and they need to start making positive improvements. You know, they can't keep being the same old, same old, like what Eric Gordon said. It can't be the same old, same old. They can't keep falling back into old habits, all of that. So with that, that's going to do it for today's episode. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. I didn't even talk about KJ Martin's dunks. 
Ugh, I'm the worst. KJ Martin poster to Vika Zubats. <laughs> Just completely annihilated him. Should have talked about that in segment two when I was talking about KJ, but oh well. Subscribe to the show. Check it out on YouTube. All that good stuff. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.